Let's start with verse 35, and I'll be reading in the King James Version. When heaven is shut up, that's never a good thing. When you, when you hear these words, heaven is shut up, that's not a good thing. We want heaven open. Amen? 1 Kings 8, 35. These are the, by the way, these, these are the words of Solomon as he's dedicating the new temple that he had built for the glory of God. And if you'll remember the story, it, you know, David wanted to build the temple, but because David was a man of war and had blood on his hands, and God said, no, I'm going to defer to your son. I'll let Solomon build the temple. So David gathered up all the building materials, all the wood and all the stone and all the gold and all the silver, and he gathered it all up. So when Solomon became king, all he had to do was put it together. And uh, they put it together, and it was a marvelous st structure. It was built according to God's plan and design, and it was built with the best materials and the best craftsmanship. And then it came time to dedicate it, and th they had this huge celebration that lasted for days and days. And Solomon offered thousands and thousands of animals for sacrifices. And so they were sacrificing animals you know, for days and days and days and days and days, sacrificing to God. And then they came to the time of uh, the dedication, and Solomon praised this um, amazing prayer here in, in 1 Kings chapter 8. And uh, you need to read that sometime. It's, it's, a, it's a tremendous uh, message as well as a prayer. But in this message, he says, he says these words. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, I pray thee, I pray toward, the, if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk, and give rain upon thy land, which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. So Solomon is saying here in his prayer, he said, Now, Lord, uh, when, not if, but when heaven is shut up because of the, the sin of the people. So now we know immediately what caused the heaven to be shut up. It wasn't God's fault. It wasn't really God's doing. It was their sins. You see, everything we do has a result or a consequence. The law of seed time and harvest, the law of sowing and reaping. If, if they sow into God, they're going to reap from God. But if they sow into a false God, they're going to reap what that false god can give them, which is nothing. And so they themselves, it was their sins that shut up heaven. They were afflicted. And here he says, you know, when thou afflictest them, they were afflicted because God's the one who set up this justice system. He set up this rule 
of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. God established it. You know, but God did not actively of his own hand afflict them. It was, the, it was the law that God put in place, the law of sowing and reaping, the law of seed time and harvest. And when they violated that law, they brought the affliction upon themselves. We know that because it was their actions that got it off of them. The moment that they, they turned from their sin and returned to that place of worshiping God, God's house, See, there's, there's the implication that they had departed from the house of the Lord. They had departed from worshiping God, and they were worshiping other things, money, other gods, themselves, uh, pleasures of life. But they were, not, they were not in the house of God worshiping God. But when they returned to the house of God and confessed their sins and turned from them, that God would hear from heaven and forgive their sins. And we have that same promise in 1 John chapter 1. Don't, don't deny that you have sinned, but confess your sins, and he who is faithful and just will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, we have, we have that, same, that same thing going on. We can shut heaven over us. By just forsaking God, by falling away from God, falling away from his house, falling away from his worship, falling away from uh, his, doing things his way, falling away, you know, disobeying his word. And then we reap the harvest of our own actions. It'll be like heaven is shut up. There'll be no rain, no blessing in our life. But when you repent of doing things your own way, and you turn back to God and you confess, then, then the heavens open up again and the rain begins to fall and you, be, you get blessed again. Now, y'all understand that principle? Okay, well, this was what was going on in 1 Kings chapter 17 when we have the story of Elijah calling for uh, the rain to stop. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now, Elijah is the prophet of God. He speaks on behalf of God to the people of Israel, to the nation, and in particular to the king. The king at this time was Ahab. You see, Solomon had already died. Time had gone by. A couple, you know, a few kings had come and gone. And then Ahab becomes king, and Ahab has this wife, called Jezebel, and, this, and Jezebel had a spirit that was in opposition to God's worshiping God, and she, she was a proponent of Baal, the false god, and so she promoted Baal worship throughout the land. They built ba houses of Baal, they built uh, groves and, and, uh, and places where they could go and worship Baal. They put up, they erected, you know, statues to Baal. And they were offering their children as sacrifices to Baal. They were, she had instituted nationwide infanticide. Taking children 
up to the up to Baal and offering them as sacrifices and burning them alive on the altar of Baal, and that had become the national practice. Ahab knew better, but he didn't resist his wife, and he became basically she wore the pants in the family. She took over. And uh, he was king, and he was the leader, basically in name only. His wife was running the show, and she took the whole country down the path of Baal worship. And this, uh, this, this abortion in terms of worshiping Baal, infanticide and abortion. And so, you know, they were obviously had departed from worshiping the living God, and the whole nation, wholesale, was worshiping Baal. And the prophet of God, you know, uh, he, uh, he stood up on 1 Kings 17.1, says in Elijah, the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. Now, God told him, to go, to go to Ahab. Ahab was the king. See, who did God hold responsible? The, man. King. the king, the head. He didn't say go to Jezebel. He said go to the king. And so he went to the king, and there's a whole story about how he got an audience with the king. It wasn't easy because the king was killing prophets. And there was this one guy who was protecting the prophets, who also served in the house of the king. And so he was a connection to the king, but he was also a connection to the prophets. And he was, he was protecting you know, over a hundred of the prophets from annihilation. And Elijah goes to him and says, I want you to, I want you to get me in to see the king. And he didn't want to. He said, man, when the king finds out I know you, he's going to kill me too. And he'll probably kill all these hundreds of other prophets. And, and so Elijah pressed the matter and, and prevailed upon him, and the connection was made. And so he had this private audience somewhere outside of the, you know, the palace. He met up with Ahab, and thank God Jezebel didn't come. And they... Uh, they had this, this, uh, this meeting. And here in this meeting, in verse 1, it says that Ahab, Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. You see, what... What was Elijah basing that on? He was basing it on that prayer that Solomon prayed. See, that prayer that Solomon prayed was the Word of God. It was sanctioned by God. You remember when, when Solomon finished praying, God's presence filled the temple so powerfully and strongly that everybody had to run outside. Even the priests couldn't stay inside. God so filled up that temple with His presence, everybody had to run out. God answered that prayer, and, and the deal was made. And Elijah, the prophet, knew this. He knew, and he was basing his prophetic announcement upon what God told him. God told him, go to Ahab, 
and prophesy this thing. And so Elijah goes to Ahab and he says, Ahab, as the Lord, my God, whom I stand before every day, as he lives, there will not be rain or dew in this land until I say so. Now that's a prophet who knows his place. He knows his authority. By the way, we've got prophets that God has raised up in our land today. We weren't taught much about prophets growing up. And we didn't know if there were any prophets. We knew there were pastors. We knew there were evangelists. And we knew that there were teachers. But we didn't know anything. But we, we weren't taught anything about apostles and prophets. But God has restored all the fivefold ministry offices in my lifetime. I've seen, I've seen it. I have known and I have met true apostles. And so have you. Adam Culp is, is an apostle. He's apostolic. He goes into nations of the world who have no gospel witness, and he establishes a foothold there and builds, builds churches, Bible schools, and orphanages. And he's done it in multiple countries in the world. And uh, that's just one, you know, and he has the signs that go with it, the miracles, the healings, uh, all of the signs of, of, of uh, an apostolic anointing, and he establishes works of God. He's established works in India, in Nigeria, in uh, Myanmar, and Nepal, and Cambodia that are still going, still going on. And, uh, you know, one of those countries, Myanmar, is closed to outsiders. And yet the work that was established there is going on. And so uh, a true apostle. And there are others. I don't have time to get into it. Uh, uh, James Maloney was very apostolic. You know, everywhere he went in the world, there was a shaking. He had what I'd call a, a breaker anointing. Like he went into Yemen and uh, when he left Yemen, there was a revival going. I mean, he broke that country loose. He, went, he, he, he would go to places that everybody said, you're not supposed to go there. Like he went into uh, Gaza, you know, into the Gaza Strip, into Palestine, and prophesied over Yasser Arafat. Made the Jews angry. Made a lot of Americans angry. They said, no, you know, you know, we need to go over there and bless Israel. Well, he went to Israel, and they walked out on him. He went to Jordan and had a revival among the Muslims. You know, so he shook up Jordan. He shook up Palestine. Really shook Yasser Arafat up. Yasser Arafat went out in the spirit and got healed of a, of a, a deadly disease. And I don't know that Yasser ever got saved. But he sure had a witness from God. And he loved, he loved James Maloney. He, he, he'd send, send me that prophet. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that prophet went, but he paid a price for going because a lot of Americans hate Arabs. For some reason, they hate the Arabs. But God never hated there. There's never been an Arab that God hated. <laughs> God so loved the world. Amen. Praise God. He loved the Jews. He loves, and he loves the Palestinians. We've got a Palestinian neighbor in our house, in our building, 
Ruth had Ruth had tea with her on Friday. You know, we're just loving on her. You know, she wears her little scarf and she won't eat pork or anything like that. And she hates Trump. And she. Uh, <laughs> so we, you know what? We don't talk about Trump. Amen. And uh, and she's she's Muslim. And we listen to her, and it's amazing. Very interesting, her side of the story. Very interesting what the Palestinians, how they're suffering over there. We don't ever hear about that. Well, Jesus loves those people. Amen? And you know what? He's appearing to them in their bedrooms. He's appearing to them in, the, in, in their own lives and, and revealing himself to them, and people are getting saved. So we're praying for Sister Shifa, that, that Jesus will make an appearance to her. Amen? We love her. I mean, she's one of the sweetest people in our, in our neighborhood. And we got a bunch of Christian neighbors. They're great too. But Shifa is, is a Ruth's special project. Amen. And she's going to get her. Praise the Lord. Well, under, under the authority of that God had given Elijah as a prophet, he said there will not be rain until I say so. And so we know from the scripture that uh, it didn't rain and there was no dew on the land for um, a space of, of a little over three years. You know, a year goes by, you know, if, if a nation lives under a curse for a year, you know, everybody's saying, when's this going to be over? A year and a half goes by, and everybody starts getting impatient. You know, when's it, man, when, when, when's God going to end this thing? When, when's God going to end this drought? Two years goes by, and a lot of people are saying, well, it, it ain't never going to be over. You know, people, you know, three years is a long time to live under a curse. You know, here in our country, we kind of feel like we're, we're, we're living under a curse in terms of leadership. Our leadership is doing everything wrong. I mean, usually when you have a president that's not of your flavor, there, you can pick out one or two things that, you know, that that person's done that may be okay. You know, maybe you can agree with them on one or two things. But in this particular time, our, our government, it, it seems like everything they do is detrimental to this country and to the people of this country. And we've been sitting under this curse, you know, for not even, not even two years yet. And we're thinking, Lord God, how long, how long are you going to let this go on before you give us some relief? When's it going to rain, Lord? And you can kind of understand and imagine how people were feeling back then in Israel when it hadn't rained for three years. Uh, I think uh, God had their attention. God brought these people to a place but through, their, through their own self-imposed affliction. See, it was their sin that brought this. Their harvest, it was their harvest. And as a result of their actions, they were... Um, afflicted for three years and it took that to get the people to a place 
where he could do what happened next. You see, we've, we see in, in the 1 Kings 18, the next chapter, verse 1, it says, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. In the third year. Go, show yourself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Go and show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, what was God saying to Elijah? God was saying, I have heard and seen, and I know that the people are ready for a change. They're thirsty. Amen? And I want you to go and tell Abraham, I mean the king Ahab, that, he, that, that God is going to send rain upon the earth. But see, God was calling, he was calling really for a showdown. There's, there's going to come a moment in time when the forces of Baal are going to uh, uh, run smack dab into God himself. There's going to be a showdown. And I want, you to tell, I want you to tell Ahab to show up for the showdown. And after the showdown, we're going to have a hoedown. Amen? And it's going to rain. And so in verse, uh, 1 Kings 18, 16, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that robbeth, or that, I mean that troubleth Israel? Are you the one that's causing all this trouble? You see, when people start reaping what they sow, they want to blame the preacher. Preacher, you've caused all this trouble. Preacher, if you hadn't have told us all these things uh, that we disobeyed, we wouldn't be in this trouble. <laughs> you know, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel. Elijah's answer was, I have not troubled Israel, but you, thou, and thy father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. So, you know, Ahab says, are you the one that's causing all this trouble? And Elijah says, no, you're the one that's causing all this trouble. Now, you got to understand, this is a, this is a citizen talking to the king. Everybody say it requires boldness. Amen. If you're going to speak for God, you've got to be bold in the face of the king. Amen. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to know what you're talking about, and you've got to know who, who's on your side. Amen. So verse 19, he says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, he knew exactly how many there were. See, he'd done his homework. Bring all 450 prophets of Baal. And the prophets of the groves, 400. So that's 850. Bring all those 850 prophets, which eat at Jezebel's table. Boy, she had a big table. See, that spirit, that spirit that is against God really takes good care of the false prophets. Mm -hmm. 
It's like all these uh, pastors and preachers in America that have taken money from the government. And so they just preach whatever the government wants them to say. Ooh. Ooh. I ain't going to say no more because I want this one to go on YouTube. Huh? I said Trump twice? Trump, 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 Trump. Okay. Amen. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Ahab says, yeah, I'm ready for a showdown. I'm ready to, I'm ready to, I'm ready to end this thing. He was, he, he was just playing right into God's hands. That tells you something about God's ability to turn the hearts of the king. I, I don't think Elijah had any idea what, I mean, Ahab. I don't think Ahab had any idea what was about to happen. So he gathered up all these 850 prophets of Baal. And he gathered up all the nation, all the nation of Israel. I mean, that was a gathering, people. All these prophets, and everybody, everybody's coming for the showdown. There's a showdown coming between Elijah, one prophet of God, and 850, and everybody's taking bets on the prophets of Baal. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, he, he addresses the people, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And I, I found it really interesting what happened next. The people answered him not a word. You know why? They were convicted. Nobody said a word. Millions of people around this mountain came to watch the, sh the showdown, and they're confronted with their sin. I'll guarantee you the spirit of conviction was working on every one of them, and they were speechless because they knew they were guilty of idolatry. Well, you know the story about how they set up the altar and poured water, dug a trench around it, and all that stuff. Okay, look at verse uh, 37, 1 Kings 18, 37. Here's, here's the prayer. You know, the prophets of Baal, they prayed all day. They danced around. They cut themselves. They, they, uh, they screamed. They hollered. And, and Elijah's over here saying, well, holler louder. Maybe he's asleep. Holler louder. Maybe he's on a vacation, you know. And he's just making fun of them. And he's mocking them. 850 of them and one of him. And he's not acting like he's afraid. And, uh, and so, uh, he, so it comes his time, and here's what he prayed. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Now, you notice what his prayer was? Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. God, if you answer by fire, it's going to tell me that you've heard their repentant prayers. Well, they, had, they haven't said a word. 
But God's listening to their hearts. Amen. Amen? God hears what's going on inside. And there's verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now that was some hot fire. God's fire is hot fire. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. The whole nation was gathered there. They all heard what Elijah said and they all saw what God did. And they fell on their faces and confessed that God is God. Verse 40 says that Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Not only did, he, uh, uh, did God bring these people to repentance, but uh, Elijah then says, Now let's grab these 850 prophets of Baal and let's go down here to the brook. And let's slaughter them there. And so the people, the people drug those, their, their, their former prophets, their former leaders, they dragged them down to the brook and they were killed there. Massive slaughter. Well, I'm sure Ahab wasn't expecting that. So in 1 Kings 18.41, Elijah said to Ahab, Go up. Eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Everybody say, there is the sound of abundance of rain. The sound of abundance of rain. Well, there wasn't, it wasn't raining. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And he's telling the king, next comes rain. Ahab, you better, you better go up, get something to eat, and you better head back to town because I hear the sound of a heap, heaping lot of rain, an abundance of rain. Remember, it hadn't rained in over three years. But there's going to be, there, I hear a sound. Elijah says, I hear the sound. What was he listening to? Well, I kind of did a little word study of this word sound. And it occurs three times in the New Testament in reference to really the Holy Spirit. And John 3, 8, Jesus is talking about how you must be born again. And he says, the wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell from whence it comes, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You see, people that are born of the Spirit are tuned in to a sound. And it's the sound of the Spirit. Now, Elijah wasn't born again, but he was anointed by that same Spirit to be the prophet. 
And as the prophet, he heard from the Spirit. And what he heard was rain's coming. Y'all with me? John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, a voice is a sound. My sheep know my sound, and they follow my sound, and they won't follow a strange sound. Amen? Elijah was hearing the sound of the Spirit and was following the Spirit in what he was telling him to do. Then Acts chapter 2, it says, and suddenly, in verse 2, Acts 2-2, two, two, everybody say 2-2, two, two. <laughs> Acts 2-2, two, two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So the sound accompanied the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's, all, there's a sound, and and. And if you're tuned in, you're going to hear the sound. You're going to hear the voice. And, and uh, Elijah was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a sound. I'm hearing a sound of an abundance of rain. There was no rain. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. Nothing in the natural was happening to indicate a change. But he was tuned into the Spirit and he heard the sound of an abundance of rain. Listen, folks, we're going to hear things from the Spirit that we can't see in our, with our natural eyes. Yes, Jesus said He'll show you things to come. come in other words, He's going to show you things that aren't happening right now. But they're, they're coming. And nothing in the natural, nothing with your natural ear, your natural eye, and your natural understanding is going to reveal to you these things. Only the sound of the Lord is going to reveal to you what God is doing and what God wants you to do about it. Amen? And so, man, if you could tune into that sound, you'll know exactly what the stock market's going to do. you know exactly what the enemy's going to do. You'll know exactly what he's planning to do. You'll be able to go, you'll be able to hear what he's saying in his bedroom. I mean, this is all, this is all what happened to the prophets in the Old Testament and New Testament prophets <coughs> are tuned in to the Spirit in a greater measure. <coughs> Amen. Hang on a second. Got a tickle in my throat. It's affecting my sound. <clears throat> okay. Well, now I'll go back to 1 Kings 18 and verse 43. Um, Elijah, you know, he's already told. Ahab is going to rain. <coughs> so now he tells his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. You know, they're still on the mountain. He said, go over there on the seaside of the mountain and look out to the sea because that's where most of their rains came from. And he said, uh, go, go and uh, tell me what you see. So he went up and looked out and said, there's nothing. <coughs> There's nothing. <coughs> what do you see? Nothing. What do you see? Nothing. What do you see? 
a Kleenex box. What do you see? What do you see? Sandy Bell taking up three spots. What do you see? What, you know, you, you look around. What do you see? Stacks of stacks and stacks of, of chairs. We're we're ready for them. We got we got more chairs stacked up here than we got room to set them out on the floor. But there's a hallway and there's a sidewalk. There's room up here. We make room for people. Amen. We've got we've got air we got two air conditioning units. We can handle it. Amen. But what do you what do you see? What do you see today? I mean, when I first stood up here this morning, there was nobody in this center section. And there was nobody over there. We had a, we, our amen corner was pretty well stocked. But you, you, you understand? And here's, here's what the Lord's done for me this week. He's really rebuked me for looking at things and, and, uh, and, and basing my feelings and judgments on what I see. It's hard not to. Especially if you live in the flesh and you see it every time. You see it every day. You see it all the time. And you have to fight the good fight of faith and plug into the Spirit. And so the, the, uh, he said to his servant, I'll tell you what, go again. Go look again. He said, go again seven times. Well, 1 Kings 18, 43, he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And when he looked up and said, there's nothing, Elijah says, don't stop going. Go again. Keep looking. Look again. Look again. Look again. Verse 44, at the seventh time, seven. That's God's number. At the perfect, in other words, in God's perfect timing. In God's perfect timing, the servant came back and said, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand arising out of the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's a cloud. A cloud. A tiny cloud coming up out of the sea. Just, it just came up. It wasn't there on the sixth time, but on the seventh time, in God's perfect timing. And Elijah said, okay, I want you to take a message to the king. Go to Ahab and say to Ahab, hitch your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. Now, I was wondering about this servant. Which took more courage, to go and look out at the sea or to go and tell Ahab, you better, head, you better head to town. Hitch up your chariot, Ahab, and head to town because it's going to rain. And if you, don't, if you don't get out of here, you're going to get stuck in the mud. But I think it's interesting what happens. In a little while, the heavens were black with wind-swept clouds. And there was a great rain. And Ahab went to Jezebel. <laughs> He ran home to mama. Jezreel, whatever. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. 
And in brackets it says nearly 20 miles. I, I want you to understand what happens here. Here, come, here comes a torrential rain. Ahab, the king, gets into his royal chariot with his six white horses, finest horses in the land, and he cracks the whip over them, and he takes off as fast as his little chariot can go. The finest chariot, the fastest horses, he's trying to beat the rain, and he looks over, and here comes the prophet Elijah jogging alongside of him. And just passes him up and beats him to town. A 20-mile run. And he outran all the king's horses. I can't imagine what Elijah, I mean Ahab was thinking. But I bet he had to have, I bet he had to have a change of underwear when he got back home. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know what he told Jezebel, but uh, I'm sure he made up some lie because uh, uh, who's going to believe this story? Who's going to believe that the prophet of God just, just hiked his skirt around him and took off and outran some horses? There's, some, there's a few miracles happened that day. You understand that? So what's the message we get out of this? Keep looking. Keep, keep looking, but look with expectation. Keep looking, but look with hope. Because when you're hoping in God, when you're, when you're basing your hope and your expectations upon what God said, you see, Elijah wasn't listening to the world. He wasn't looking to the natural he was basing everything he was saying and doing on what he had heard God say. And what did God say? God says, it's going to rain. I'm bringing the rain. I believe it's going to rain. I believe, I believe God, God has said. Listen, folks, we, 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 we can stand on a numerous, numerous scriptures. For the promises of God. All the promises of God. Standing on the promises of God. I'm standing. All the promises of God in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. If God promised it, he is not a man that he should lie. No, the son of man, that he should change his mind. If he said it, he will do it. Amen. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord given to us will not return to him void but it will accomplish everything that it was sent to accomplish. If you have the word of the Lord, if you have heard the sound, no matter what you see in the natural, you keep looking because eventually in God's perfect time, what God said is going to be what you see. Because it has to happen first in the spirit realm before it can happen in the natural. And everything that God has said in his mind, in his heart, 
if he said it, it already is so. God who calleth things that be not as though they were. And we need to be like that. We need, to, we need to hear the sound. Are we the sheep of the Lord? Are we the people of God? Or are we not? Are we tuned in to the Spirit? If you're not, get tuned in. How? Pray, pray, read the Bible, believe the Bible, obey the Bible. Do what God says for you to do. Even if it's scary, even if it's like you going to see the king and telling the king, you better, you better hitch up your wagon because uh, it's going to rain. Rain's coming. Amen. Rain's coming. Revival's coming. Not only do we have the scriptural promises, but we have what God is speaking to prophets. There are, there are, true pro there are false prophets. I've taught on that recently. There are lots of false prophets, false teachers. But wherever there's the false, there's the real. You can't counterfeit something that, doesn't, that isn't real. What good would it do for you to go out here and counterfeit a $5 bill? $3 bill. Or a $4 bill. Or a $7 bill. Yeah, there are fives. Just don't see them much anymore. What good would it do? Who? I've got some $2 bills, and there's some places you can't spend them. I, I went up to a McDonald's window one time, and I tried to pay with a $2 bill, and they said, we, we don't accept this. I said, this is money. They said, no, it's not. I said, Give me, let me see the manager. And the manager comes to the window, and I said, I said, I'm trying to pay, I'm trying to pay uh, with this uh, $2 bill, and they, uh, your, your employees won't take it. He said, well, we don't accept that kind of, we don't accept that. That's not real money. The manager. How many of you know there is a $2 bill, and it's still in circulation? But the manager of McDonald's didn't know that. Well, I'm not surprised. You know, they can't, I can go in there and order one thing and they'll get the order wrong. So, yeah, order a water and you'll get, you'll get a milkshake or something. So, anyway, God doesn't make those mistakes. See, God's word is a sure word. And if God says it, it's so. Amen? Oh, by the way, and if God said it, it's good. It's good. Everything God speaks out of his mouth works for the good of those who diligently seek him. Amen? So seek the Lord, keep listening, and it, it will happen. It will happen. God's made promises to this church. He's made promises to you and to me. And we need to, we need to tune into that voice and make our stand on that word regardless of what we see. Amen? Mm -hmm. That's right. And whatever he tells us to do, we'll do it. Knowing that he'll bring the rain. He'll bring the rain. Yes. 